All right, Pittsburgh, this is the Death Star here, and you are listening to MMA Fancast. Tune in. Oh, baby, what time is it? You're listening to MMA Fancast. Here are your hosts, Jim Mooney and Luke Payson. Welcome to the show. I'm Luke, and today we are joined by Cam Allgaier. Cam, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. It is great to have you. I remember talking to you before your debut uh, MMA fight, I guess about a year ago. Um, and here you are now going to be uh, fighting for an amateur belt for 247 Fighting Championships, November 25th. So talk about kind of what you know about the belt and how excited you are to be fighting again after the pandemic for a title. Um, I mean, the belt's just just cool. I, I, called, uh, I called Ryan whenever I heard he was having a show. I went down, fought in uh, South Carolina because it was the only place having fights week later fights are back on in PA so nice to nice to get down nice to have a trip and get a fight in but could have waited you know just fought around here took a short drive but um yeah I called Ryan and I was like hey heard you're having fights what's going on yeah 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 we're gonna have you fight um person who I was supposed to fight when our fight got canceled yep. yeah I got three fights now I can move on to advanced roles I'm thinking something bigger He's like, well, what? And I was like, like a belt. Like, give me a belt. I'll sell a bunch of tickets. And uh, that's that's how we got it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's back up a little bit. In March, you were matched to fight somebody else. And I was there at the weigh-ins. And the weigh-ins went off perfectly without a hitch. Um, and then, of course, the day of uh, the event, the state shut down 247. And really all, at that point, all events were getting shut down. What was it like uh, to be there? We haven't talked since then. What was it like to be there day of the fight and have it get canceled? Um, it, it sucked. Uh, I don't know. It's fight day for me. It's like really up and down, like weigh-ins, everything. It's fine. But like after you step on the scale, uh, I can't speak for everybody, but for me, it's like, oh, I'm actually fighting the whole build up, whole camp. It's just like, oh yeah, I got to fight, whatever. People ask if you're excited. I'm like, nah, man, just, you know, like some people got a bike ride on Saturday. I'm getting in a cage fight. But uh, that day of the fight, that's whenever it really starts to sink in for me. So, you know, it's an up and down day already. Wake up, feeling anxious, nervous about the fight. And we're at, um, we're eating at uh, Waffle Houses. People who were fighting on that card, uh, Ray. And um, we're there. We get a message and it's like, no crowd. God, that kind of sucks, you know, but at least we're fighting right. Get back to the hotel, um, check my phone again. I was sharing a room with uh, Sheldon, who's uh, fighting on this card. But um, sharing a room with Sheldon, Sheldon's taking a shower. I checked my phone. I'm like, Sheldon, I got bad news. He's like, what? I was like, the fight's off. He busts out the shower, wrapped in a towel, water still running. He's like, dude, you're kidding. Show him the text. and. Uh, I just sat around like, well, this sucks. But nothing we can do about it now. Fights are back on. That's all that matters. Yeah, and you're you're mentioning um, some other fighters from Gorilla House, Jim Ray, the, the head coach, uh, Sydney, uh, Sid Ross. Obviously, you mentioned Sheldon. And I just had Ethan on the show. 
and you guys are like a tight knit group from Grill House. What was it like to continue to train with them even during the pandemic? Um, it was nice. I watched some of Ethan's interview, uh, and um, I, I think what he said was a uh, kind of how I felt too. Like it was a nice like break. Like we're still doing something. It's not like we're sitting around doing nothing, but it also it was a break from from like a grinding like okay we got this we got to do this for this fight this you one i think it allowed everybody to build new skills without the pressure of like hey you're fighting this guy so we should start doing this or you know you got a fight coming up we need to really work on this it's just like hey i don't know you guys want to work on this today you guys want to work on that it was a nice break it was a nice it was just good I think it was a benefit, blessing in disguise. Yes, absolutely. And the pandemic actually coincided with the um, with the timing for Caden Cassidy, who's in your gym. He had just won his state title, and then he started focusing a little bit more on MMA. He's actually going to be on um, your card there. Um, and so talk a little bit. He gave you a compliment. I don't know if you've seen his interview but he was talking about training with you guys for MMA. He gave you a compliment as being uh, a really good wrestler, particularly defensively in uh, stopping takedowns. And obviously he's a state champ. So talk about training with him and what's that like? Um, training with Caden, I mean, that's, he's someone who, who's a sponge. Like he picks stuff up quick. I mean, for the amount of time he's been doing, he's really good, you know, wins rounds against me. I, I'm glad he's going off to college to wrestle or else, you know, I would be, That'd be the guy who was getting belt fights, not me. Um, but yeah, he's, he's nice to have in the room, works hard. He's somebody too. Um, I think in, in MMA, you have people coming from a lot of backgrounds. And personally, the way like I like to practice, the way I like to drill comes from wrestling in the past like that, you know, grind for two hours, like, you know, constant pace. And I, I think he's one of the people that really gets that, like Ethan does too where uh, people who come from different backgrounds, they just don't have that same uh, mentality. So all around, it's, it's good having them in the room. Well, absolutely. And it's, it's nice that you're able to point out the mindset that comes from wrestling, both in your background um, and Caden's uh, background. Um, and also, I think, it's, I think it's great when, I mean, I've, I've had a lot of people on from Gorilla House, you included. I think it's great when a gym that's kind of off the beaten track, let's say, starts producing high quality talent. I know Sid Ross talked about that when she was on my show before the fight that got canceled. Obviously that's her gym and it's a big deal. How, how big of a deal do you think it is for you guys to be representing Gorilla House well? Um, I mean, it's nice to represent, you know, I think uh, going back to something you said is we're off the beaten track, but I think, over time you're going to start seeing that more as the as the trend in MMA is we have all these big super gyms you know but they're really 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 good dominating for a couple years and they kind of fall off I think the problem is with with the big gyms is you don't have that that coaching time like up here you know there's a handful of fighters we get that one-on-one with coaches where if you go to like a Jackson Wink if you go to ATT there's a lot of good bodies in the room but there's not there's you know, let's say there's three coaches and they have 60, 70 fighters. It's like, what, what are you really getting out of that? So I think that's going to be the trend. And it's, I feel like 
hopefully we could be one of the ones at the forefront you know i think i think like for someone like sid like she's um probably within the next year or so gonna go pro um i mean female may they get picked up quick and she's really good so that's gonna be one of the ones that puts the name on the map of gorilla house but that small gym trend it's, it's nice to be a part of and it's gonna be nice to see it grow in the future yeah, absolutely. You, you bring up a good point on the trends. I've actually talked on this show very similarly, not from the fighter's perspective, more from just picking up on some of those big gyms, they become the business. And obviously you mentioned some gyms that have produced some of the top tier UFC champions, but their, their whole focus becomes about getting as many bodies in yeah. 100 people per practice, things like that. They actually, for, for the champions like John Jones, um, and others from the from the wing gym, they actually have special times for them, you know. So you end up kind of yeah, getting they end up doing their own thing, like Cowboy right. sort the ranch because he couldn't. Yep. Jones kind of got his own garage set up now, and yeah, you start to see that. And 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 Cowboy was probably one of the first from uh, Jackson Week. It ended up being a little bit of an uncomfortable split, and so you know that's their business. But he kind of brought that he kind of brought that attitude up that he he'd rather have a gym that works around works for him and I, yeah. I think that's one of the first people to bring up a name from probably now you know about 10 years ago though he's still somewhat relevant uh brock lesnar was one of the first guys to create um a gym in his backyard um death clutch you, you remember the team death clutch or something like that oh that, that was before i got into the sport yeah well that was yeah that was it was it was a long time ago i think it was cam i think it was four or five heavyweights and he built a gym in his backyard and brought some coaches in and kind of created uh, a gym. So I, I think it is sometimes good to have a focus. Now your gym tends to be a little bit on the smaller, faster, more technical people. Um, do you, is that a strength you think? Because you roll with Sid, your role with Ethan, your role obviously with, with Caden. I'm not sure how big uh, Sheldon is, but is oh, it Sheldon's kind of, a big boy? He's a big boy. Okay. A big boy. I, I, I was thinking he wasn't he wasn't the smaller weight guys. So what's it like to have sort of everybody at the same weight and then Sheldon being kind of outside of that weight? It it's nice. Uh, so it's nice having everybody in the same like within that same group. That's probably who I go with most. Like um, you get a feel of what works and what doesn't. Um, I think that's that's something that's really beneficial is having people around weight. You go with smaller guys, like, oh, you know, like, am I getting this because this works or am I getting it because I'm big enough that I can do whatever? And then whenever you go with bigger guys, it's like, you know, you, you work on a technique. It's like, man, I feel like this should be working, but it's not. I'm getting bench pressed off, you know. So having people your weight, that's something that um really helps. Uh, Sheldon's nice, too, to go with just because – you know, not everybody is like I, I everybody on fight's gonna be, you know, the same, you know, but you, you might have somebody who's long. Well, Sheldon's, you know, he's big, so you get a long guy. Um, you know, you might have somebody who's a little stronger. if you could get Sheldon in a technique and you're fighting a guy who's a little shorter, a little stronger, you're gonna be able to get him in that. So I mean, he is a little outside that, you know, upper limit, but it's still I think beneficial to have people all over, you know really pushes yeah yeah you kind of broke down some of the classic uh at least bjj mindsets when it comes to training with smaller people because they tend to be faster and more technical 
and make you in some ways react to stuff that maybe a bigger person wouldn't do. And then the bigger people make you be a little bit more defensive and, and yeah. more technical on your defense um, and obviously makes you work against strength. What was it? What was the fight? Break down the fight that happened in South Carolina. I know Ethan had mentioned you guys got an opportunity to have some of you go down there and fight um, for on the Derek Brunson card down there because Derek Brunson, a UFC fighter, is running uh, a fight organization out of South Carolina. So how did the fight go? What was your opponent like? Um, and sort of walk us through that fight. Yeah, my opponent, um, his name was John Lamy, I believe, was the last name. Um, purple belt. He was, he was pretty good jiu-jitsu. Um, you know, like feeling the way his hips moved. It was, it was, you could tell he was not just like, oh yeah, here's a purple belt. You've been here a couple years. It was like, no, this guy's legit. Um, he was, uh, I think he has a couple, uh, kickboxing fights in his past. I mean, he, he had good, good, like, uh, Muay Thai fundamentals. Um, so that fight, it was just, uh, I think I got a takedown, early in the first round and uh, heavy ground and pound, turned his back, uh, sunk hooks in, put in a choke. Right before I like locked up the choke, um, I heard the the clackers. And I was like, yeah, I should probably keep hitting. I was like, oh, maybe I could get it. But it takes it takes a full 10 seconds to get somebody to go out. That dude was tough. He wasn't, he wasn't planning on tapping. Um, second round, more of the same. Third round, um, we kind of just, I was tired. I was like, ah, pretty sure I'm up two rounds. I'm just going to stand here. And if he wants to come in, try to win the fight, I'll just level change, get him down real quick. But uh, I think he was a little hesitant to come in after the takedowns kind of stood there, but um, ended up being a split decision somehow. Uh, I have not been able to rewatch the fight. However, I remember in the moment just being shocked that somebody would even consider him winning around let alone two so yeah one of them one of them don't leave it to the judges moments well also good experience good experience for you in managing your um endurance and sort of fight management also recognizing that those split decision wins are sometimes and sometimes split decision losses you know you sometimes see that crop up too but split decision wins i think are really important to get because it, it kind of bites you a little bit and you go whoa maybe Maybe it was different. Now, now we've also seen, even at the pro level, we've seen some split decisions that should not be split oh, decisions yeah. anyway. So it sounds like that's the case. But but it's probably good that you came out with that win and can look back, um, not rewatch it, but kind of monitor what you did in it. Um, and speaking of your kind of time management and energy management, I know in the state of Pennsylvania, novice amateurs are three – two-minute rounds, but advanced amateur rules, which we're going to talk about now, go up to three threes. Uh, what was your time frame down in South Carolina? It was uh, three threes in South Carolina. Three threes, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, those two minutes, I have to say I like threes. I think threes are a nice balance. Um, you know, I train with Ethan. He's a pro, so if he got some barn rounds, we'll do fives for him. Yeah. And uh, – Toward the end of the five, it's like, oh, man, like, I, I can't look at the clock, but, I mean, I'm blind, too, so, like, sparring, I can't even see the clock. Like, man, the, those squiggles, those blurs look like it's been five minutes. <laughs> Get me out of here. Throw in the towel. But, uh, yeah, two minutes, that's just a – that's like a wrestling match. It's a sprint. It's it's really hard. 
um, to get momentum going. I know it's just one more minute, but that one minute does make a big difference. You know, like there, there's a lot that can happen in a minute with, with combat sports and I mean, sports in general. So three minutes, I think is going to be good for this one. Yeah. And you're looking at a nine minute total fight potentially as opposed to a six and a nine minute total fight is inching closer to the 15 minute total fight um, at the pro level. And a lot of people don't recognize uh, the fact that it can be kind of confusing at Pennsylvania level. I think it's a good reason, but Pennsylvania actually has three levels. They have the pro rules um, that most people know from UFC or Bellator. Um, and then there's novice amateur. Um, and then there's advanced amateur. And so advanced amateur, you get an extra minute and you get some strikes on the ground um, and a few other things. Uh, you still don't have knees to the face. You still don't have elbows to the face. So what are you, What? yeah, what are you looking forward to the most? I do think you pick up heel hooks and knee bars, don't you? I believe that that's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, full submissions now. Um, ground and pound with a with the hands, no no elbows, no nothing like that. Right. Um, so that, that fight in South Carolina, that was pretty much the same. The only difference between the rule set here and the rule set there was they allowed head kicks, which I do not believe PA allows. Yeah. Um, so I, I felt it already. Um, I think I, I think it, it makes it easier for my style, like being on top, being, you know, um, more pressure oriented in my grappling than, than seeking submissions. It, it's a lot easier to be able to, you know, be on top and do something rather than, you know, uh, it, it, it's just th- those first two, man, it was like, I got down and I was just like, all right, well now what? Like I could, I could touch his body, I guess. I feel like these aren't hurting, but, um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's a nice rule set. Uh, it, it gets you a step closer to that profile. Um, it's, it, it opens it up more. It's, it's more of a fight. Yeah, absolutely. And even though it doesn't give you elbows anywhere, particularly on the ground, closed fist strikes open up straight punches and hammer fists. And that alone gives um, a lot of different looks. You know, if you're close in, tucked into him on top, you still get some hammer fists, which we've seen uh, more be sort of setup punches than a knockout, than, than a knockout punch, because then the person has to respond. Whereas in the novice amateurs you'll see situations where there's a lot more resting going on because it's more hold yeah than it is. yeah and, and a lot so more walking you... down on the guard rather than people having like an active one because sure. i mean you could lock down and get stood back up where you're getting hit you have to open up you have to sweep you have to throw up submissions just to just to survive and then in a opposite situation um how has it been going for you to practice defense let's say you are on your back which i know doesn't really happen so far but let's say you're on your back and somebody's on top of you what's the practice has been like being maybe with ethan or with somebody else where you're having to deal with punches coming to you in a way that they used to not um i mean ethan ethan whenever i go with him he will throw whatever you know he's like hey listen i don't care what your rules are you don't do that my rules say i could do this, this and that. Right, right. he's like i'll throw a head kick i can do that you can't throw one at me because you can't it's like, all right man Deal. Um, Deal. so pretty much from day one since i began there it's been you know like i'm, I'm used to it 
uh, it, it makes it different. It, it certainly does. You have to be uh, more cautious of um, where your placement on everything is. And with with MMA always being like the objective for me, even the way I roll in a jiu-jitsu class is different. Like every once in a while, you know, I'll go for the whatever the latest trend is, you know, I'll break out the the Keenan Cornelius YouTube and and try to do some worm guard or something. But for the most part, it's like, okay, um, maybe I shouldn't go to, you know, uh, what is the one tornado guard or something? Like I shouldn't do that because I'm going to get stacked and get beat up. Um, so keeping that in mind from the beginning, I think it's also something that's going to help me in the future uh, kind of have a feel for, for what what's practical in an MMA application and what's, what's not. Yeah, Cam, you're actually one of the first um, fighters I interviewed a couple years back who really has kind of always focused on MMA. I know you've done some other things, but um, and we talked back then about how you're really the third school or maybe the third generation. You think of the Cowboy Cerrone, we just mentioned him, his background, Muay Thai, did a ton of pro Muay Thai and is still, I mean, he's got a lot of submission wins too, so he's a bit, but he's a guy that has kind of trained everything, but has more of a, of a mindset. Whereas you, and I think more and more people are going to get to the point where your whole goal is to be MMA. And so you're not learning maybe a ton of BJJ. That's not relevant. Have you done the BJJ? And do do you find that being helpful or not helpful? People go different ways on this in MMA. Um, I do gee here and there, like whenever, you know, there's days where, like Ethan doesn't come in, um, you know, people are doing other things. So I'll hop into the gee class. Um, personally, I, I don't like it as much, uh, but I I see why people say it's helpful. I think it makes you focus more on, on position. Um, whereas in no gi, especially later rounds where you're all sweaty, it's, it's you could be athletic and you could get out of a lot of stuff that, Technically, you shouldn't have been able to, but you're slippery, you know, you're explosive, you're able to, to get out. I think the gi slows that down and has you focus more on the technical aspects. Um, however, you know, like in a fight, I'm not, I'm not wearing, I'm not hoist crazy UFC one, I'm not wearing a gi. Uh, so, in uh, that, I, I don't like it as much, but I, I do think it's, it's helpful and it's useful. Well, you gave a very balanced, both-sided response to the kid. We're going to stay away from controversy um, on, you know, if we say one side or another on gi. I do think when you see somebody um, transition from like a pure gi background, maybe somebody um, who's a black belt level, I've seen several of those make the transition to either amateur or pro MMA. And sometimes their pacing is just, too off. slow and technical, right? It's just off. And and, and part of it's because in, in gi battles, there's just so many, even just grabbing the, the pant leg, it, it's just try to grab somebody's straight ankle. That's not going to work nearly. Yeah. I mean, that's not going to work nearly as well. And so there's a lot of times where, where I think guys, it, it can make them more technical, which is beautiful for you. But I think I've seen some people be out of pace because they're used to a more methodical. Um, have you ever competed in uh, sub-only gi tournaments? I've not competed in any gi tournaments. Okay. When, whenever I use the gi, it's, it's very sparingly. Yeah. And whenever it is, it's like one of the things where are like, oh, this is, you know, like I, 
don't get me wrong. If I know I got to put on the gi from the moment I walk into the door, whenever I step onto the mat, whenever I'm tying my belt, I'm complaining. I'm, I'm trying to convince people, well, let's all just take them off. Then we got to do a no gi. But you got to find the, you got to find the good in it. And uh, yeah, I think it, it, I, I think jujitsu guys coming from a straight jujitsu background, I think they have a, um, a lot of problems if they're not focused on MMA. So like you see a lot of guys with great credentials coming in. Um, there was a couple, I cannot think of the, of the specific fights, but there was the one um, maybe a month or two ago, they were talking about how great this guy is. He won this tournament, that tournament, and then he gets stuck in a crucifix. Like, in, in pretty much outworked, outgrappled, because uh, the, the pace is different, and being comfortable in your back is something that, that kills BJJ guys. So if you don't want to worry about getting hit, yeah, you could sit there, you could set up all your stuff, you could, you know, you could have this space, that way you could explode into a sleep or throw up something. You can't have that in a lifetime of doing that, a lifetime of sitting in the gi, being able to hold the lapel to keep them from backing out of your guard. Um, it it kind of hurts. It helps, but it hurts. It's, it's one of those things. Sure, yeah. And that's still the reason why um, it's called mixed martial arts, because there's still a value for pure wrestling at the Olympic level and high school rec level and college record. There's still value um, in boxing, you know, I now find boxing maybe a little bit less exciting. I mean, but what it's for and only punching, it's it's the top of the top, you know. Yeah. But obviously, I like Muay Thai and a lot of the other things, the clinch and the elbows and knees. Um, but when you think about it, you we still need a pure BJJ to occur and pure boxing and pure Muay Thai for my Muay Thai uh, fans yeah. out there that are annoyed that. <laughs> MMA is more popular. I mean, you still need all those disciplines. And I think people like you, your discipline, you want it to be MMA. And I think that's been an advantage for you from the beginning. You're very intelligent. You look at it as how is this going to apply to MMA? And we have seen of all things, we saw Ezekiel Chokes work in the UFC. Yeah. Now that's at the heavyweight level. And so I think that might be partly because uh, there's not as much defense in the heavyweight division. Um, but jumping to back to the fight um, because we could talk a long time about uh, theory and I, I think you bring a lot to the table even though you're still young um, because you're building what's going to work for you and that's the thing that I think comes a lot in MMA is you have to find what works for you. Um, you're facing Justin Patton. Uh, what do you know about him or maybe you don't care or what's what's the game plan or at least what's What's your knowledge background on Justin, who obviously is accomplished enough to get this opportunity? And hats off to Jim Moody for matchmaking this for you, as I know that was something you wanted. You wanted to step up. You wanted the advanced amateur rules, and you wanted a title fight. So you got all three. So what can you tell me about Justin? Uh, Justin, somebody I always heard the name of. Um, we've been in the room a couple times. I, I cannot remember a time if we ever actually went together. Like today, we were both down Matt Factory, same room. Um, so, you know, Pittsburgh, it's a it's a small MMA scene, a small group, too. You hear the name. Um, I think he's been doing it for a long time. Like, I'm pretty sure that was, like, one of the guys at uh, Fight Club back when I was doing kids' classes there. So, I mean, he's he's been around. Um, what, what I know about him is mostly based off of the gym he trains at. So being an academy guy, the things I would be expecting is is that 
especially for the lighter ones. I think I think Combs one of the ones who doesn't fight in that like academy style. Like he has he has a lot of power, so I think he's a little bit more willing to just stay in the pockets, come straight forward and 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 throw. Whereas if you look at the other ones, they're a lot more in and out. Um, they have they have quick explosive entries, hard jabs, heavy jabs, um, full extension, heavy on the kicks. And I think that's something that I'm going to see with him. Um, you know, he's, he's long. He's, oh, man, dude's almost like six foot tall, 5'10", something like that. Wow. He's long. He's going to be looking to keep me at the end of his punches, extension, lots of kicks. Kicks is your longest weapon. Um, that's what I'm going to be, be up against. Um, so... That's that's something that it's with a tall guy too. That's hard. It's 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 one of the things where where it's not a secret. You know, I'm I'm gonna go out there and try to wrestle. That's what I did my last two fights. It's closing that distance, but doing it in a smart way. Like, yeah, I could walk right into him, but he's not. You know, he's not inexperienced. He's gonna be able to step off on an angle. He's gonna be using his reach. He's gonna be using that range, and that's uh that's. To me, that's the fun part about this fight is there, there's something exciting about it. Like there's there's a lot of guys that, you know, I could be like, oh, let me get this guy, let me get this guy. And it's just going to be, I'm going to be able to walk right in the range. I'm going to be able to lower level, take him down. This one is is different. And that's that's where the excitement for me comes in. Absolutely. And I, I think that's where the development comes. You, you've done a very respectful job, I think. Um, it's a little bit like, I know the fight just happened yesterday, but it's a little bit like the Gaethje and Habib fight where they were both complimentary to each other the entire time, pointed out each other's strengths and kind of the advantages each person had. And then obviously it came down to the fight and clearly Habib just performed at such an incredible level. But I, I, I think that's kind of your attitude is um, you just pointed out kind of the reason why this fight is going to be good and exciting. Good and exciting because you want challenging fights um, not just because it's a belt fight and obviously you don't want some crazy mismatch for a belt, uh, but at the same time, you're a developing fighter that wants some hard battles and at least challenging opponents to happen because uh, I think we've talked about it ever since the beginning because uh, your debut fight was against a guy with, what, three fights or four fights? Yeah, three fights. Three fights. I remember talking to you about that and you were like, yeah, I, I want to take on people that have experience because – if you're looking for a potential pro or a long career, you, you don't want to be going up against people who are uh, thoroughly unequipped. You know, you want to go up against people that have skill sets. And so obviously it's good to, to hear you respect Justin and recognize that he does have weapons. And I think it's going to be great to see how you do deal with, uh, with the long range. And at 135, the Bantamweight, there are still some of those long range guys that get in there and you think, how did they possibly make this weight. Um, I, I think of that a little bit when I think of uh, Sugar Sugar Show, Sugar... Um, uh, Sean O'Malley. Thank you, Sean O'Malley, right? Yeah. Because he's he's tall and long and he's at Bantamweight. And what do you, what do you kind of see? Do, do you watch Sugar? Do you, do you think that's a value to Bantamweight to get the long, skinny strikers? Or do you think Bantamweight's more of a, a strong sort of fast twitch not super tall guys. What do you think about bantamweight? I think with any weight class, I think if you're an anomaly in that in that weight class, I think you have an advantage. Um, sort of like 
uh, in a similar vein of, of Southpaws having advantage. The reason they have an advantage isn't because being left-handed inherently makes you better at fighting. It's because the the amount that people get to see in the gym, that people get to feel, is, is a lot lower. So you're not used to that. Uh, I think maybe get someone who's like Sean O'Malley, tall, lanky. You're let's say you're at Alpha Male. Who who at Alpha Male? They're all you know five four and, and stocky. Yeah. So um, I I think that's that's always going to be it. Uh, it's nice to get it over with now too. Like okay, I'm going to fight a tall, long guy in case down the line I ever run into somebody like that. It's like okay, well I could look back. I didn't pick my fights as an amateur because this record disappears. Like I I got a tall, lanky guy. Here's what I did good. Here's what I did bad. Sure. But yeah, anomalies in the sport, they're always hard to deal with. Like even wrestling, you know, you get that one guy who's just this tall and a muscle, you know, it's like, oh, well, what do I do? Or you get a guy who's like 6'2 and barely any muscle on him. It's like, oh my God, like he's angle picking me and I can't even reach him. So it's, it's, it's always exciting whenever you get somebody like that. Yeah, absolutely. And on the reverse side, you're going to be the first time Justin has fought Cam Algeyer. I think that's a part two. As you develop, your skill set becomes someone else's uh, challenge and opportunity to kind of say, oh, man, you know, I, I didn't know this when I was fighting Cam. And so I think that's a big part. And we want to we want to encourage and push people to come see the fight. They are selling tickets for it. You are going to be the title fight for November 25th. Um, I'm going to ask you a question that I asked Ethan. And so we'll see how excited would you have been if you had a fight Saturday after Thanksgiving and cut during Thanksgiving versus fighting Thanksgiving Eve and being able to pig out on Thanksgiving? Uh, man, whenever that fight, whenever we found out there was two, um, we're up at, we're upstairs right before practice. And uh, Ray was like, all right, Ryan just tagged me two shows. One's the Saturday after, one's the Wednesday before. He was like, I want the Wednesday before. <laughs> like, before anybody even got a second and uh, got pushed to Saturday. So I'm going to be, be rubbing in his face all Thursday. I'm going to be sending him pictures, all the all the food I'm eating. Yeah. Yeah, I like I like yeah. making fun of Ethan. So yeah, it's going to be a good time. You, you do that at your own. the first one to get a 247 belt, you know. So oh, yeah. Sure that. Something just out of reach for him. Well, you make oh. fun of Ethan at your own risk. I certainly wouldn't be making fun of Ethan, but to let you know, he talked about- I'll pay for it later. Oh yeah, he talked about you specifically getting to fight Wednesday night as, as opposed to um, him fighting Wednesday night uh, quite a bit. So I, I do think that's a sore uh, topic. He said he really wanted Wednesday night because he hates having to cut during Thanksgiving. So you might want to keep that in mind, but you know, hey, so, but it is exciting for you. Does does it mean anything fighting on like Thanksgiving Eve, Christmas Eve? Sometimes there's New Year's Eve shows. What is it like for you to be fighting going into a holiday that you obviously enjoy? Um, I'm going to be honest. I haven't thought much about it until, until you asked the question. It's always nice. I know wrestling. Wrestling always sucks because there's always a tournament right around Christmas. Yeah. Always right, right before, right after. And it's like, yeah, I want to, you know eat some food, hang out with my family. But at the same time, like, I can't, I can't eat, you know, like it's, it's a lot less fun if you're hungry trying to interact with everybody. So, and that, it, it is a lot nicer to be, to be fighting on uh, the day before, day before anything. It's always, always nicer. 
Yeah, absolutely. And talking about the Saturday card, are you planning on being around for the Saturday card um, and cornering anybody or being out there for Gorilla House? Because obviously Ethan and others are going to be fighting on that card too. Do you have plans for um, the Saturday card as a fan or as a coach? I'll probably be in the back as a, as a punching bag for their warm-up. Um, we, oh, everybody likes to do, do a good warm-up and, uh, I know for, for some of Ethan's fights, man, it's, we're, we're basically sparring in the back. <laughs> like I'm, I'm just trying to survive. I'm like, all right, he got this. I'm out now. Like, we don't got to wait any longer, but, uh, yeah, I'll definitely be there Saturday. There's a lot of, a lot of good fights. I mean, Ethan's fighting. That's always exciting. Um, I mean, that dude is, is good. No matter what I say on any of these podcasts or, you know, what, what people may think from watching the last fight, that's, that's not indicative of Ethan as a fighter. He's very, very well-rounded. Um, he's a, really good at, at range. He's good at, he's good at a lot of things. Um, I think uh, that Saturday is one of the ones Sid's fighting on. Um, I think, especially people around Altoona, um, I know they'll always come up and be like, oh, you're fighting. They'll go up to her, are oh, you fighting? Are you this? Uh, they don't want to drive two hours, but I mean, that's somebody who, two, three years down the line, you're, you're not going to find, you know, a standing room only for 50 bucks for the, you know, or two hour drive for where she's going to be fighting. So um, I think anybody who goes on Saturday is going to be lucky to see that for, for so cheap in person. Um, and then uh, I don't know if Sheldon's on Wednesday or, or Saturday, but uh, he's on one of them. Yeah, yeah I guess him, if, if we were to take a guess, I, I think we could say Wednesday, although I don't, I don't have the list because it seems like they would have probably spread you guys out, you know, yeah. on the two different cards. But um, you bring up a really great point that isn't just about selling tickets. It's it's actually honest. And, and we encourage people to go to 247fighting.com to buy tickets because regional MMA, amateur, pro, whatever it happens to be, is, is a great deal. It not only supports local fighters, if you want to look at it as a fan selfishly, you're seeing people that you will never see again or – that you will never see for under 200 bucks or 300 yeah. bucks again, you know? Um, yeah, like who would have thought Kama, his last fight, you know, people, yeah. I bet there was people that went up to him like, oh man, you know, 40 bucks to come watch a fight. Well, now you're spending 65 for a pay-per-view to watch them. So you might as well just bought that ticket then. Well, and you've given some really, really high compliments. I think Ethan is really a great example to you and everyone in the gym for resiliency. That's something that is, big in MMA. It's it's great to get the big wins since he's had some big wins, but obviously his title fight, he came up short and ended up getting injured and had a lot they had to work through and it wasn't a good night for him. But I think you actually learn more from your standpoint of watching somebody who you know very well go through adversity and things not, not working well to see how to recover from that. And then uh, give us a little bit more on Sid. You've talked a little bit about how you think she's going to go pro and make a big deal. What do you see in her that's making you feel so confident that she could be the next big thing in women's MMA? I think right now, if you look at women's MMA in a whole, um, it's very, very top heavy. Um, if you look at any divisions, it's the champ. Maybe there's one contender underneath. And not to, not to dismiss the skills of anybody in the UFC, but there's everybody else. Um, I think right now with the, with the skill set that's, that she has, um, I think she's above, you know, that everybody else category. Um, 
she's also young, athletic, strong, like powerlifting and whatnot. So that's somebody who has the athleticism um, to carry them through a career along with the skill. I think someone, uh, for example, like Roxanne Modafferi, she has a lot of skill. She does not have a lot of athleticism and look how good she does. So if you get somebody with a mixture of the two at this time in the sport, um, it's, it's, you know, a good combination. Oh yeah. Roxanne is a good example of somebody who would have been successful on the men's side, maybe 15, 20 years ago, you know, because yeah. we've really kind of gotten out of, although she's a great ambassador for a sport and people can't say a much nice things about her. I think she's a very kind intellectual person who's still doing a good UFC career, even without a lot of uh, raw athleticism or, or kind of physical dominance and best wishes to her. I know, I, I think she, they consider her one of the pioneers in women MMA. She's been fighting for 15 years. Uh, but it does bring up the fact that um, Sydney Ross has a great combination. She's a certified strength and conditioning uh, coach herself, so can really do a lot. And I think that also goes to you, um, surrounding yourself with people who are constantly looking to develop and be well-rounded. And that's probably the best compliment I can give you, or really anybody, is to be well-rounded um, because that's the only way I think we're only within a couple of years on the men's side of almost everybody looking pretty much the same in skill sets. I mean, things will be a little different, but like I think MMA in three or four more years is going to be just a lot more um, everywhere, you know, because we're going away from people being really good just on the ground and we're getting people that are good three or four different skill sets and you being one of them. So, um, what if we're going to get a prediction? I always want to give you the opportunity. Let's get either a prediction or a comment on the fight um, that's coming up for you. The bantamweight 135 pound amateur belt for 247 fighting championships on uh, November 25th. Um, I think that this fight is something that's going to be entirely dominated by the range in which the fight takes place. Mm-hmm. Um, if this is a fight where I'm hanging out on the outside, I'm going to get chopped down with leg kicks. I'm going to be limping. Um, You know, it's going to be a runaway with him. If I stay on the inside, I feel very confident um, about this. So obviously I think I'm going to win the fight or else I wouldn't take it. I don't take fights. I think I'm going to lose. I take hard fights that I think I can win. Um, So yeah, I feel good about this. Uh, I'm not, I'm not a good predictor, you know, um, I get dressed in the morning, you know, for, for, for the cold ends up being hot, dressed for the hot ends up being cold. So I stay away from that. But um, I, I can assure you it's going to be, a, it's going to be an entertaining fight. It's going to be a good fight and it's going to be hard fought. Well, there's not much more we could expect out of you than an entertaining hard fought fight. It's been great having you on. Can't wait to see you back in the cage for that title fight. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Cam. Yep. Thank you for having me.